it's second and goal at the two. And they're going to give it to Elliott. <laughs> oh, Zeke, um, one of our favorites here at the South Lab Football Guys uh, podcast. Robbie's Robbie's doing the Zeke eats uh, right now. Um, Gotta yeah. feed him. Just a little uh, hint, guys, as we're getting into our RB rankings show. We like Zeke, so uh, we're, we're picking him in big year. Spoiler alert! <laughs> spoiler. Um, welcome in, guys. Uh, make sure you guys follow us on uh, Snapchat and Twitter at the SL Football Guys. Um, Guys, when we started off, though, I know we want to get into our RB rankings, but um, first off, some pretty big news came out yesterday. Uh, NFL has decided that Tyreek Hill will not be suspended. Um, I know when we talked about the Chiefs, we spent a lot of time on uh, exactly the impact that Tyreek Hill has on that team, so I think it's good that we address this uh, real quick off the bat, um, just to kind of go over both the implications for the Chiefs and uh, what their outlook is for the year, and then uh, Tyreek Hill's fantasy outlook. So with that, Robbie... Why don't you start us off? I mean, just just about Tyreek. Uh, that that's a huge game changer for the Chiefs. I I was liking the Chargers before to win that division, but now that they got Tyreek for all sixteen, um, you know, I might have to swing the pendulum here. Um, I they're a whole different team with with him. So yeah, I mean, I think you got to separate fantasy from NFL when you talk about this. I think NFL wise, this is a huge, huge, huge help for the the Chiefs. I mean, you're adding one of the most dynamic playmakers to a team that is loaded with them already. They were they were so they were so consistent with how they used him. Um I I I think it's I think it's a big help and I think a lot of us were expecting him to be suspended at least what four or six games. Um yeah. so I mean, it makes a difference. Um and fantasy-wise, I don't know, I'll lead into you guys, but I probably back into the first round. Yeah, I think um, for me, he's going to be my third receiver off the board. Uh, at least that's how it's shaking out right now in half-point PPR. Um, yeah, that's a that's a huge jump. Um, but I think one thing to think about with that stuff, too, is if there were some guys in your drafts that you were kind of fringe on, uh, maybe in the second round or, or back of the first or even the third round, um, that you were like, maybe this guy will fall to me. Tyree Kill jumping up from that fourth round, fifth round area to that first round, that knocks one player back into your area that, um, you know, maybe you didn't think you were going to be able to get. Absolutely. So, yep. um, you know, I think it I think it might help a lot of people. Um, but, yeah, it's interesting. It, it changes so much, uh, like Adam said, on both the actual NFL side of things and fantasy football. But, yeah, I mean, I think Tyreek Hill is a first-round wide receiver in pretty much every format, maybe not PPR, but I think half-point and standard. He's going to go in the first round. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, with that, um, we are going to take you into our RB rankings today. So next few episodes for us are going to be rankings-based. We're going to do uh, RB rankings 1 through 15. Then uh, a little bit later, uh, we're going to do the 16 through 30 for you guys. And then we'll jump into wide receivers, a uh, similar format. And then we'll end up with uh, tight ends and quarterbacks 1 through 15 in each respective position. And then uh, with that, I mean, we should be right up on the, uh, the cusp of the NFL season uh, as that ends. And, you know, we'll be ready to rock uh, and get you set up with uh, our season predictions and, um, you know, kind of those uh, week one outlooks. So with that, guys, let's jump into the rankings here. Um, our top three consensus. So we've got Zeke coming in at number one, Alvin Kamara at two, 
and Saquon at three. Alvin Kamara and Saquon are really close uh, just in terms of the <coughs> consensus separated by decimals here, but kind of interchangeable. Um, let's talk quickly about Zeke. Uh, Adam, I'll, I'll lean into you here. I know I know he's your boy. Resident Zeke expert. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Zeke, he's come in the league and he's dominated pretty much any time he's been on the field. Um, all aspects of the game, pass blocking, I mean, People said he wasn't, you know, a pass catcher. He caught 76 balls last year. Yep. Uh, I mean, even if you look at last year's stats, he only had six touchdowns. That That's going to go up. Like, that offense, they got a lot better once they added Amari Cooper. Um, I think Zeke's going to have a lot more opportunities to score touchdowns, rushing touchdowns, and pass catching touchdowns. So, uh, you know, and the yards are going to be there for Zeke. He's behind one of the best offenses lines in the league. I think he's when you're looking at first round picks and high end first round picks, you want to feel safe. You want to feel warm and fuzzy on the inside that this guy is going to give you production every single week, and that's what Zeke is. Like he, he's the the safest pick you can find in fantasy. Yep, yep. Especially since last year they decided to they the, the Cowboys actually realized, hey, we could use Zeke in the passing game. He could, game. He could catch. Um, yeah, that, that definitely puts him in that tier of, for me, that, that's number one overall for me, um, just because it, you you just got it. It's it's safety. Um, and that touchdown, you, you got to imagine that he, he gets more touchdowns it's than six. just six. I mean, that that guy's an animal. He's It's just unbelievable on the field. Mm-hmm. People forget, too, that Dallas's offense the first seven games wasn't that great. Um, they... I mean, they were relying on, what, Alan Hearns and Michael Gallup. Mm-hmm. That trade for Amari Cooper put them in the playoffs. That was one of the best trades of the year last year. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care about what they gave up. I don't think the Cowboys made the playoffs last year if they didn't trade for Amari no. Cooper, right? No. They're, they're on pace not to. Yeah, I mean, like it, it was the Zeke show, and he was doing all right, but once they added Amari Cooper, it gave them some other aspect of that offense other than Zeke mm-hmm. if he just took off, and that's when he started putting up big numbers. Yeah. Um yeah, but like like I said, just the safest pick in fantasy. I mean, Witten Witten come coming Witten. back does give it a little bump too. Mm-hmm. Um, just helping him out on pass blocking, pass blocking yeah, run blocking. Um, another threat out there on routes. Another safety um, bell for Dak. Yep. So so you guys. So this is everything we do uh, that we're gonna be talking about, guys. Is gonna be in half point PPR formats. Um, so, Adam and Robbie, you both have Zeke as your number one. I have him as my number three, although he's extremely close with Saquon and Kamara. He's actually my number one back in standard. I know, like Adam pointed out, he caught, um, I think it was 72 or 76 balls last year. Um, I do expect that to come down a tad, not an extreme amount, but I think uh, Michael Gallup, uh, I think he'll, his target share will increase a bit, and I think... Getting Jason Witten, that'll help with some of the underneath throws. Um, the interesting thing about Zeke's pass catching last year, though, he actually re- caught more balls after they traded for Amari Cooper, yeah. which is sort of counterintuitive when you think about it. But um, I I think that just gave him a little bit, tilted the field a little bit from him mm-hmm. to somebody that is a playmaker on that offense as mm-hmm. well. Um, and I, you might see a great year from Zeke, like, you might see his best year from Zeke. Well, I think year. what that might be is actually, um, you know, when Amari Cooper shows up, 
obviously that opens up the the kind of the longer pass plays, mm-hmm. uh, the more like the five step drop back, so you can find uh, you know, Amari Cooper downfield more, and what that actually sets up, which I think lends into you know your uh, discussion with Zeke actually catching more balls, because I think that sets up the screenplay a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Uh, defenses are forced to blitz a little bit more to try to take away. Uh, kind of the five-step drop-back look, make the ball uh, come out a little quicker. And that sets up for the screens a little bit more. So I think that uh, played a role in um, you know increasing his pass catching once Amari Cooper showed up. But um, I'm with you guys. I think I think uh, Elliott's one of the safest picks in this draft, if not the safest. Uh, I don't think you can go wrong there. But uh, with that, I think we'll turn to turn it over here. Our consensus number two, Alvin Kamara. Uh, guys, I'll take the lead on this one because uh, I think I'm probably the the biggest Kamara fan here. You are, yeah, just uh, an unbelievable talent on the field. Uh, probably the best balance I've ever seen uh, from anybody at the running back position. Um, just his utilization too in that Saints offense has been uh, you know very impressive. And now that you take Mark Ingram away, granted they still added Latavius Murray, but even Mark Ingram had uh, some pass ke- catching chops that I think you know Latavius Murray lacks a little bit. So I do expect to see um, you know a workload increase for Alvin Kamara. Uh, maybe not to the extent that was seen in those first four games of last year when uh, Kamara was the only guy on the field because uh, Ingram was out on suspension. But I definitely think uh, his snap share will be higher than what we saw at the end of the year when he was playing roughly, you know, 60% of snaps. Um, I think we'll see something closer to 70, 75% of snaps for Kamara, uh, rather than maybe like the 80, 85 that people are, uh, expecting. But I mean, if you can get, if you can get Kamara out there 75% of the time, I think that's a lock, uh, for a top three running back. Um, you know, his involvement in the passing game will just, you know, at least get you the yards and in this half point PPR format, you know, that's invaluable as well. And, you know, he's, he's still a four plus yards per carry rusher when utilized in that fashion, uh, can still, you know, have the explosive plays both through the air and through the ground. And, you know, that Saints O-line, uh, was one of the best in the league with, uh, Armstead and Ramchick at the tackle positions. Um, you know, especially when a lot of what they utilize, Kamara for is those stretch type runs so I expect another big year for Kamara yeah I like Kamara um I'm not as high as um you on him as you are um mostly I I kind of pictured you saw those first four games of the season he just went out of control without Ingram um and then kind of tapered down once I got Ingram back um I mean even still Ingram still had We've like 21 receptions on the year, so Kamara was still the guy. Um, I'd like to believe that um, with Latavius Murray, there's somewhere in be- Kamara's going to end up somewhere in between that first four games and that final 12, right. somewhere stat line wise. Um, so that's kind of where I have him statted out as. Um, but I still see him getting um, like triple digits in receptions. I think he's going to be a target monster, yeah. um, which is um, great for a running back. Yeah, I mean, you look at his last two years, 100, 100 targets his first rookie year, 105 last year, 81 receptions both years. I mean, I mean, you even look at his, he's, he's never rushed for 1,000 yards, but yet we're here talking about him, like, possibly number one overall. For like 900. And, right. he, and he's so good in the red zone. Um, the Saints really found a perfect fit. I think 
Alvin Kamara is a perfect fit for the Saints, what they like doing. Um, you know, reliable with the ball in his hands, uh, dynamic, like Evan said, balanced, one of the most incredibly balanced running backs I've ever seen, um, especially through contact, balanced through contact. He, he'll, he'll get knocked three different directions and somehow still land on his feet and keep going. Um, my biggest concern for Alvin Kamara, honestly, is I'm looking in the last two years, what the Saints have played four playoff games. And he's only had 152 rushing yards in those four games. Um, it seems like in the playoffs, something happens where the teams tighten down and they put a clamp. They, they put a clamp on him because he's probably the best, other than Michael Thomas. Those two are, you know, one-two offensive options in New Orleans. Um, so I don't. It, it might. That might be just a playoff fluke kind of thing. Um, I'm not sure what to make of that exactly, but. It seems like when it comes crunch times, teams put a, put a limit on him and say, hey, we're going to put a spy on him. He's not going to catch the ball. We're, we're, he's not going to beat us in the run, and we're going to let Drew Brees try to beat us. Well, you think about some of the teams that um, he went up against, too. So you got the Eagles, one of the more stout run defenses. Uh, the Vikings, two years ago, very stout run defense. Um, into the Rams, Rams, a bit more of a... Uh, Cowboys, yeah, Cowboys, yeah, same thing. Very stout run defense. So I do think that has a factor into what you're seeing. But I think even beyond that, I think there has been, um, you know, we're we're only two years in here, but I think there is a little bit of data to suggest that um, whether or not they're reducing his usage uh, in the second half of the year, or if he's actually wearing down. Uh, I know year one, it was largely based on the concussion that they were trying to be careful with him. But uh, even last year, you know, his snap counts came down last four or five weeks of the year. Um, so, you know, maybe year three, he's he's really fully into that NFL shape, um, you know, can handle the full wear and tear of the season, you know, get a couple of workout programs in him. Um, but, you know, I, I still think even, even a 60% <laughs> snap share of Alvin Kamara is is worth a top five pick. Um, is he the best pass catching running back in the league? My answer is yes. You know he's in terms of hands in route running, Kamara or McCaffrey might have him beat, but in terms of yards after catch and what he can do uh, after, I think it's Kamara. And I'd say overall, if if you know, if I was a NFL GM, I, I'd take Kamara over McCaffrey. All right. All right, guys. Uh, number three on our list is Saquon Barkley. Um, Saquon. So Saquon had an amazing rookie year. Uh, there are people talking about Saquon coming into year two, breaking the uh, uh, all-purpose yards from scrimmage record held by Chris Johnson. Um, we'll see if that happens. I'm not exactly statting that out. But even still, um, you know, this is a guy that caught over 90 passes last year for the Giants. Um, put up great numbers on a bad team uh, that team's expected to be bad again but this is kind of one of those cases where uh, the talent just kind of shines through um I'm, I'm expecting another big year i'm expecting you know still a lot of involvement in the passing game and and i think that offensive line uh improved especially with the addition of zeitler in the offseason uh from the browns trade i think that'll help him out a lot on those interior type runs but um, I'll turn it over to Robbie here. I'm interested to get uh, your thoughts on Saquon. Yeah, I'm, 
actually kind of surprised he's our number three consensus because I kind of picture Zeke and Saquon kind of in that same first tier. Um, but that could just be me. Um, anyways, um, he did have a monster season last year, and a lot of people are concerned without Odell um, there anymore. He, he's going to get more of a focus. Um, but, I mean, well, Odell, he missed a couple of games last year, first of all. And second of all, I think people are very undervaluing uh, Golden Tate just because you saw what he did when he went to Eagles midseason. He didn't really have much of an impact. But he, Golden Tate still one of the best slot receivers and one of the best yards after catch guy in the league. Um, and he's going to, he's going to be a, he's going to be a good factor into that offense. Um, and honestly, even, even if uh, Saquon does have a little bump down in his targets, which I'm kind of looking at him getting a little bump down. Um, he's still up there, up there right next to Zeke. Um, so I, I think he's just a phenomenal player. He's he's kind of like that Adrian Peterson um, type of runner where he just keeps pounding, pounding, and eventually breaks out along like 40-yarder. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's just an amazing talent. I think he you could very well pick him with the number one overall, um, but he definitely should be top two consideration to me. Now, Adam, you've got him um, by far the lowest uh, of, the four, of the three of us at four, where Robbie and I have him at two. Um, what, what makes you have him, uh, lower, uh, in your rankings? Might have broke the mic here. No, um, (laughs) it's just the concerns about the offense. Um, losing Odell Beckham Jr. is, I mean, they built that offense around him and then Saquon came in and it was sort of a weird mix of like, okay, we got this great star running back, got this great star receiver what do we do um i didn't exactly like their game offensive game plan last year um but i i don't think it's gonna get any better this year mm-hmm. i mean golden tate yeah it's a good addition sterling Shepard, you know pretty good pretty good number two not a number one not a number one uh evan ingram pretty good pass catching tight end not a good run blocker um uh, i don't know I mean, regardless of who you get in the quarterback, I think we can, I mean, talent-wise, Daniel Jones, Eli Manning, you might see a little bit of the same. I think Saquon's going to be better if they stick with Eli Manning. Um, just Agreed. to get some sort of professionality with the offense, if that's a word. Yep. <laughs> uh, I like it. <laughs> allowed. It's uh, in the dictionary now. Um, no, yeah, I, I, I'm just concerned about, you know, last year he got 350 touches. And he got 2,000 yards off that. I just don't see that happening. He's the number one guy now. No one's focusing on Odell. He's not there anymore. I mean, let me ask you this. When AP was in Minnesota, did he ever have a good side cast around him? No. I mean, who's to say that Saquon just can't do it again and kind of do like the AP thing? He, he very well could. I, my, my, my viewpoint in it, and, you know, at Saquon, I mean, I, I give it a pretty good odds that he finishes, you know, top two, top three. But where, where, where I'm sitting, I think the risk is a little high just based on how bad that offense could be. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had, what, 15 touchdowns last year? I think that offense got worse. Even adding Zeitler, you're taking away one of the most dynamic playmakers. Yep. To a 
team that didn't really improve much other than that. I mean, I don't know. And what? and I think the whole Eli Daniel Jones thing might I don't know. I, I I just got a little bit more hesitation than I do on the other top three players that I have ranked ahead of him. But he's still, you That's know, fair. one of the best talents at running back we've ever seen. Okay. So I I know like one of the things I've kind of struggled with, um, is you know with a lot of these guys like you can look and it's you know because it's such a team game it's like okay how much of this is is the pure talent and how much is this is related to the o-line just you know mowing guys forward uh you know when you're looking at some players saquon barkley though for me is just one of those guys when i watched it last year i was like this is this is such an individual like a special individual player that like I, I just completely bought into the talent, almost like Kamara. There's just like you, you're seeing things that you know that you're not seeing out of anybody else in the league. Um, just some of that power and explosion that he has combined with his uh, with his size, just unbelievable. But one thing that concerns me with Saquon is, uh, you know, a lot of his uh, production last year came on big plays, uh, an inordinate amount of big plays uh, relative to what you know, you're used to seeing out of uh, most others in the league. Is that due to his just, you know, freakish athleticism and the special talent that he is, or is that an outlier on what it'll normally be? Um, I do think what Adam pointed out with, uh, you know, Odell Beckham being gone, that that does kind of open up the defensive game plans to be able to just throw eight in the box because I don't really think you're worried about Sterling Shepard beating you. Yeah, they don't got any deep Yeah, deep I mean, threat. Um, so I, I, I think that's a concern, but, you know, I, I ultimately think that, um, you know, Saquon, Saquon will wind up right there at, at the end of the year. And when you're looking at kind of this cast of characters at the top three, um, you know, for me, they're, they're pretty much interchangeable. It's all very minor, um, differences between the three of them, but I, I, I'm pretty comfortable that, that he'll be right there at the end of the year. All right, guys, anything else to add on Saquon? Nope. All right, so we're going to go into our next three here. So uh, consensus next three. We had Christian McCaffrey coming in at our uh, number four for half-point PPR, followed by Melvin Gordon, followed by number six, which might be a surprise to some people, Joe Mixon. So started off here with Christian McCaffrey. Uh, I was actually the highest on Christian McCaffrey. Um, You know, a lot of the... um, what I've heard a lot of the naysayers this year on Christian McCaffrey is that, you know, the production was based to Cam being hurt. But I actually think that when you add in, you know, the more explosive nature of that offense uh, and, and, you know, that this team should put up more points with a healthy Cam, I don't think it'll be a big step back. Um, this is a guy that has continued to uh, build his body to handle the NFL workload. I mean, like, he he looks... He looks every bit the kind of guy that can take on a 250 carry workload, and he did it at Stanford. Yeah, like you know this. You know, I think I think there's a misconception about him that he's, you know, for lack of a better way to put, it, the kind of like this tiny white pass catching running back, and like that's not the case. Maybe his rookie year he wasn't fully built in to that NFL uh, work level, but right now, I mean, he he is fully built, I believe, to handle a, a, you know a 250 carry workload, and I think he can handle it. Um, I honestly expect the Panthers to be more careful with Cam this year. Uh, just going through what they did last year. I mean, what was that team? Six and one when they started off, and then Cam got hurt, and it just completely derailed their season. 
that's a team that needs to protect their investment in him uh, because they're not going anywhere without a healthy cam. And I expect them to, to be a little bit more wise on how they utilize him. That being said, I think Cam has a lot of freedom on the field uh, in terms of his play calling, and I think he's a guy that calls his own number inside the ten. Not wrongfully so, because you know he he's a very unique athlete, and his ability to work inside the five uh, on those QB draws and things is is special, and not a lot of people can do that. But I do see Christian McCaffrey kind of putting up similar numbers to last year. You know, being a very consistent player, uh, game script proof. Uh, he's never going to be out of the game. Very rarely coming off the field. Uh, I just think this is, you know, after that clear top three tier at the top, I think this is your next uh, next best option. But turn it over to uh, Robbie. What do you think? You know, McCaffrey, uh, I kind of talked a little bit about it on our NSC South, but it, just about him, he, he is, yes, he's a workhorse. He is, I he's, honestly, he's the only guy in my like top 10 I've even projected to play all 16 games. But that first six games without Cam, he scored one touchdown, and then afterwards he scored 12. Um, if, the, if the Panthers want to win, they were winning during that first um, during that first six games of the season. Um, they're going to be um, looking to do what works. And um, I think people forget that last year a big concern for McCaffrey was that um, – was in the red zone, was he going to even get the touches? Because Cam Newton, you know, he likes to just take that ball, run it for himself, yeah. or just take it or sling it at his tight end, Greg Olson, um, who I'm – is he going to be, like, healthy? I mean, I guess that's a different question. But um, I think he's going to take a huge regression in that touchdown department, and he's going to not get as much of a workload as he did last year. Um, I think he's still going to get um, a good – healthy workload where he, he could be a, one of your most consistent guys you have out there. But I just don't see the explosiveness in him. Yeah, I mean, last year, what, he had 13 touchdowns total? Yep. yep. Um, I mean, yeah, I think it's going to be hard to replicate that. Um, like you said, with you know, Cam Newton taking the goal line carries. I think the yardage could be there, though. I think he had 19, 1,900, 1900 yeah. all-purpose yards. I can even see that bumping up a little bit. I mean, he's a talented player. And I think with a healthy Cam Newton, you might even see might even see more yardage um, from Chris McCaffrey in, in both the rushing and the passing game. Yeah, um, I, I could see 1,209. Yeah. yeah I, I, I think it was more of an anomaly last year that when those two were healthy together that they only had one touchdown and they were winning. I think um, a lot of that had to do with just you know, statistical anomaly. I don't. I could have been a little yeah. bit of an anomaly, but I mean, his rookie season, he didn't have a he whole lot of no. touchdowns either. No, I, so it, it'll be interesting. I mean, it, it's definitely a question mark with him. He's a young player. Um, I like talent. Love his pass catching ability. Um, I, who's the backup there? Cameron Cameron Artis Payne. I believe so. I don't yeah. think he. I don't. So yeah, like he's, he's the workhorse. McCaffrey's not coming. Yeah, off yeah, the field, yeah. Like. He's the workhorse. I, yeah. he's a say. He's another safe guy for me. I, I don't see him, you know, getting out of the top ten. I, I don't really see a scenario other than injury than that he's not a top ten right, running back. Right. So very, very safe player. I think he proved to the second half of last year that that he could kind of take on that workload. And I think maybe the coaching staff was skeptical of that. Um, but I think showing that last year may may lead to him, you know, getting 
uh, you know, a kind of a bigger piece of this offense uh, going forward and, you know, more touches on the ground. It'll be interesting to see, you know, even if the touchdowns regress, you know, a tad, I, I still think, you know, he should be a pretty good bet to get, you know, eight or nine minimum. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Um, now, Ron Rivera came out and said this offseason that last year he had what, 326 carry or total touches. Yeah. Um, Ron Rivera said he wanted to keep that around 260. Does that concern you guys at all? And he said this months ago. I wasn't. I mean, this was this was around draft you know, time. Coaches say a lot of things in in March, but when it comes down to a playoff race, and you got to have your best guys on the field. Man, Cameron Artis Payne isn't no. isn't isn't moving the needle for no, anybody. No, um, I'm I'm fully expecting when you combine both the um, rushing and passing touches, I think he will wind up right around 300. And I, I I feel pretty comfortable. Yeah, I'm confident it, in that. I think he'll be right there. I'm not a, I'm not concerned either. What about yeah. you, Robbie? I'm not that concerned. I, I think my most most concern would be just um, the weapons that are growing around him. You got um, DJ Moore going into his second season. You got Curtis Samuel going to essentially his second season. He, that opens up the well, the defense around him. That, yeah, that, that opens that it up. But that also back. spreads the ball around a, a little, little bit more. Um, you. Maybe you'll see a breakout in Ian Thomas. Maybe Greg Olson will get back. Um, so, I I mean, I still think he's triple-digit receptions looking at, um, but I don't think he's going to be having quite the season he had last year. Um, All right. Well, I mean, we between the three of us, Adam's got him at five. I've got him at four. Robbie, you've got him at five. So, I mean, we're all yeah. you know, very high on him. Um, I think – Kind of the, he's a good the takeaway bet. here is safe he's extremely safe uh, when you're you know inside the top five of your draft and, and you're looking for a guy to take. So he doesn't really have an injury history either. Right, right. Which is good. Yeah. Um, let's let's go on to our next guy here because I think this will be an interesting discussion. Um, coming in at our consensus number five overall, we've got Melvin Gordon. Uh, before we jump into this real quick, I want to uh, point out where we individually have him ranked. So Robbie, you have him the highest at three. Uh, I have him at six, and then Adam, you have him at seven. So we'll start off with Robbie here. Uh, make the case for uh, uh, Melvin Gordon inside that top three. Yeah, so so my case is essentially, well, first of all, I'm going to just say I'm assuming he's coming back to the Chargers. I assume they're going to st- extend him. If he gets traded, this is I think obviously for our purposes huge, today, we're, we're all going to make we're that We're assuming assumption. that right. assumption, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but who's been more reliable other than Melvin Gordon, maybe Todd Gurley the last couple of years. He's he's in an offense that hasn't really changed much at all. I mean, they got rid of Tyrell Williams, but now they've got Mike Williams stepping up. I call that a little bit of a watch. Um, he's a guy you know what can you can expect. He might not be there around the playoff stretch, but I think he's he's got the numbers that he could just put up to be able to have a top three season. Um, he, he's just the full workout. So they, you saw it when um, Austin Eckler tried to get in there once he Melvin Gordon went down last year. I mean, Eckler couldn't do it. Yeah, but Justin, Justin Jackson, Jackson looked, he did yeah, okay. He looked okay. He did okay, but he can't. He, it's not that dual threat running back that Melvin Gordon is. He's not replaceable. Um, what's that? He's not replaceable. Oh yeah, he's not no, replaceable. He... Um, so even even still, I I stated. Melvin Gordon out to miss two games. And he still ended up as my top three. I've, I've got 
pretty much the the this group of four: Melvin Gordon, Kamara, McCaffrey, David Johnson. They're all kind of real close to each other, so it's honestly it's kind of a coin toss. But I, Melvin Gordon, he's there every week. He's their goal line back. He's he's the guy who they look for to carry the load. I mean, I and I I don't really see a harder runner than him, which I mean ends up being a risk for him because of injury, but. I, I think he's a phenomenal player, and I don't think he, he's replaceable. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I have him the lowest at seven. Um, but having said that, I, I mean, I, I I feel like he's one of the more safer running backs, other than you know injury, and you know he seems to be out during the most important fantasy time of the year and during the playoffs. Which yeah. I mean, that that leaves a bad taste in people's mouth. But yeah. I mean, you look at last year was his best statisticals year you know when he looks at yards per touch i mean a full a full like yard and a half over his career best um and i think a lot of that had to do with them using eckler a little bit more i think it actually helped melvin yeah. gordon because i mean you can't you can't ask him to take a huge workload uh 2017 he had 284 carries and 58 receptions three 342 total touches um last year he was down at 225 and had almost the same amount of total yards per scrimmage um so i mean if he stays healthy plays a full 16 i mean i, I don't see it yeah he's, he's another guy that's just really safe he has the goal line touches he's catch the ball good out of the backfield uh philip rivers you know he doesn't have the same arm he did 10 years ago he's you know dumping it down making passes over the middle throwing it up to big mike williams i yeah another really safe running back in my opinion he, he, he he's safe. He's safe. Yeah, I think. Um, Besides the injury, yeah. you know <laughs> the thing that concerns me, Melvin Gordon, is you know the injury history. He has been uh, worn down in the past. I think while I'm not saying Melvin Gordon's replaceable, I do think that Justin Jackson showed enough last year for the Chargers to take a like a long hard look and say, well, maybe this is somebody we can give, you know, six to ten carries a game to try to you know, lighten the load on, on Melvin Gordon a little bit. And and that will ultimately affect Gordon's numbers. Um, you know, similar similar to McCaffrey, I mean, you can kind of nitpick on some of these things, but, you know, as long as he is on the Chargers day one and he's not holding out, this is this is going to be a safe pick for you. You know, he's, he's very reliable inside the red zone. Um, you know, he has a... Gets a lot of the work inside the ten, which is you know really what you're looking for uh, in in you know these top five, top six draft picks. Um, you know is is involved in the pass game to an extent. Uh, just you know when I'm when I'm looking at Melvin Gordon compared to some of these guys ahead of him, I think you know especially because I know Robbie, you differ on this one, but like Kamara and McCaffrey. I think the workload uh, and and the floor is just a little bit higher, and in I think in Kamara's case, like the ceiling is is far higher um, than what I'm seeing from Melvin Gordon. I'm not so sure. I could, I I, I could maybe see that the ceiling higher for Kamara, but I I think Melvin Gordon's just as safe a floor as you could get on a week per week basis when he's healthy. I mean, that's the big big concern for him. Yeah. I, from my view, I I think both players are extremely comparable. Other than the the one that I have 
McCaffrey at five, Gordon at seven. I think that's just based on injury. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Okay. Uh, guys, anything else to add on Melvin Gordon? Nope. Okay. Moving on to consensus number six here. Uh, we've got Joe Mixon. Um, Jumping Joe Mixon. So, Adam, you've got him at three. I've got him at seven. Robbie, you've got him at eight. Adam, why don't you lead us off on this one? You're very high on Joe Mixon. Very high on Joe Mixon. I, I have been ever since he got drafted. Um, I, I, I'll go into this a little bit. So when I look at running backs, um, when I'm doing scouting, you know, prep work for both fantasy and just NFL, um, the number one thing I look at in a running back, and it, it, I think it affects durability, um, you know, just overall production is willingness to initiate contact. You look at some of the best running backs that have ever played the game, they have not been afraid of contact. They've initiated contact. And I think that that is something that me personally, um, I have benefited greatly from looking for running backs that initiate contact. And um, and that's exactly what Joe Mixon does. He's, he's not afraid to lower down the shoulder. Um, blast linebackers, safeties. Um, and he's just scratching the surface of his talent, in my opinion. He's 22 years old right now. Um, you know, last year he had led led the AFC in rushing with a team with Joe uh, O'Driscoll QB for the last six games. And he, I mean, he, my main concern with him, and my only concern with him, is health. Um, he had concussion issues, his uh, rookie year knee issues a little bit last year. I think this offense is going to be much, much, much better. I can't emphasize that enough with Zach Taylor, head coach. Marvin Lewis, get the hell out of here. It's been too long. Uh, I think he's going to bring a new modern offense into 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 uh, Cincinnati. And I can see Joe Mixon taking on a more... Uh, maybe Todd Gurley type role where maybe his rushing attempts go down a little bit, but I mean, he only had 55 targets last year. He caught 43 of them. Really good percentage. I can see him having a hundred targets. Easy, really? easy. And I think he should, because mm. he is that dynamic of a pass catcher. Um, So I, I, I just see tremendous upside with, uh, with Joe Mixon, you know, touchdowns may not be where he gets, you know, I think yardage wise, he could be up for you know top total yards per scrimmage from any anybody in the league. So I don't, I'm interested to see what you guys think. I mean, for me, when I was trying to stat it out, I was kind of surprised how low Mixon was because I really do like him as a player. Um, but yes, um, you're talking about his targets. I'm not so sure it's going to get that high. I kind of bumped him up to like the 80 target range, which is where Gurley kind of sits at has sat at for the last couple years. Um, and even with that, um, I'd, I've been, I'd try to give him a little juice. He's still sitting a little low for me. Um, it, and it looks like, it, to me, it's mostly just uh, receptions. There's so many um, other players on that team. I mean, it does help open him up, but they also got Geo they like to use. I mean, that not to say that they won't, stop looking at Gio, but I think they'll still be using Gio a little bit on that offense and to take off a little bit of Joe Mixon's load, who, by the way, as you mentioned, has a he, – he gets banged up during the he year. He does, he does. Um, and I'm not expecting him to play 16 by any means either. I mean, receiving-wise, you look at his rookie year, he caught 
30 of 34 targets. Last year, 43 of 55. Like I said, new offense, a completely new coaching staff. I think Geo might be just sort of faded away into the black. They, I think what I envision is Zach Taylor recognizing that he has one of the most dynamic players in the league, and he's going to use him, and they should use him. Um, and I think he, I, I, I can foresee the targets being above 80, and they should because, I mean, with a career catch percentage of 82, why not? For and me, that's, those are with bad offenses, yeah, too. Yeah, well, that, that's true. But for me, to get him up to that top three range, you, you need to just assume an influx of touchdowns. Um, which kind of at like that girly level where he's just all the time, whenever they get in the red zone, they just use him, which, hey, could happen. Um, I'm just hesitant to project him that way um, to too, mu- too much of a bump of mm-hmm. touchdowns, you know? I understand. I'm probably higher than anybody on Joe Mixon. Evan, what do you think? Yeah, you know, I think Mixon's interesting. Uh, like you said, Adam, you know, I think the key variable here is the Zach Taylor, um, you know, new offense. And, and how does Zach Taylor um, utilize uh, Joe Mixon? Because, I mean, I think this is probably the one of the biggest unknowns going into the NFL season is what exactly this Bengals offense is going to look like. Um, because this is a guy who's never really even called plays before. Um, so, you know, I think... That's uh, it's very intriguing, and you know, I think as a new coach, if I'm Zach Taylor, year one, I need to make a strong first impression uh, on a new city and a new front office. I'm I'm utilizing my my best players to the maximum extent as I can, and Joe Mixon is probably at this point uh, the best offensive player they have. Um, no offense to AJ Green, but kind of on the twilight of his career now, still has. Little bit left in the tank, but I think it's a changing of the guard right now, and, and Joe Mixon should be the key of that offense and the identity of that team. Let me ask you guys one thing. Um, so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be under the assumption that Zach Taylor sort of runs a LA Rams type offense. Sure. Um, who would you guys choose as your skill set players? Joe Mixon, AJ Green, Tyler Boyd, John Ross, or Todd Gurley, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup. Brandon Cooks. Uh, I would take the Rams set. I, I would take the Rams okay. all day. Yeah. Okay. I mean, especially Zach Taylor. You're, we're. I would like to assume that he's bringing like a copy of uh, the Sean McVay offense, but I mean, we saw with uh, Lafleur was a Sean McVay guy, right? Um, I don't know what he was doing with the Titans. But it sure wasn't what we saw in L.A. You can only do so much with the skill set you have, too. And that mm-hmm. team was never built that is to true. run an offense like the Rams are. When I'm referring to the Titans. Yep. Yeah, and no, I, I, I think I agree. I agree. I agree. I, agree. Uh, I think the Bengals are built similarly to the, uh, the L.A. Rams. That's why I think that their offense could take off this year. They got a good old line. The writing's on the wall. What they're trying to do. Got Green healthy. They do. That's, they do. That's a huge they one. They do. And Andy Dalton, I mean, he... I think he's consistently underrated. Um, he may not be, you know, a great playoff quarterback. He might not be good in a clutch, but in terms of fantasy, when he's played, he's been very good. Um, so I he probably has the highest SPF of the league. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm I'm just betting on Joe Mixon taking that next step with an improved modern offense. And uh, like I said before, I think the talent he has. He has every ability to be the number one running back in the league. Yeah. 
All right. So with that, um, let's get into our kind of our next set of three guys. Uh, we have David Johnson, Todd Gurley, and Lev Bell uh, in that order. So David Johnson coming at seven, Gurley at eight, and Lev Bell at nine. Um, talking about David Johnson, uh, I am the highest on him at number five overall. Um, guys, really my argument here is everything went wrong for David Johnson last year. And he was still a top 10 running back. So I consider that the floor when you take out injury, right? Where I'm not going to assume injuries. But you take a, a top 10 running back. Granted, you know, you're looking for somebody that will give you the week winning uh, weeks. But at least at the very minimum, you know you're going to have some guy that's not coming off the field. Uh, that's very involved in the passing game. That's game script proof. That's, you know, at least a lock for 80 yards and some catches every week. And when you consider the max upside of what this air raid offense could be and David Johnson's involvement in that, um, not to mention the read option uh, potential with Kyler Murray, that could be deadly. Uh, That could play absolute havoc on uh, opposing DNs and linebackers when you have to guard both those two very dynamic players. I just think there's so much upside here. I think David Johnson... I, I can see a scenario where David Johnson is the number one running back in fantasy this year, and that's with a 500 Arizona Cardinals team. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see what ultimately happens here, but uh, I just think the floor is high enough and the upside is great enough that uh, this is somebody that should, that should be taken top five. Adam, what's your take? Uh, I think I'm the lowest on David Johnson. Yep. I agree with a lot of what you're saying. Uh, I think I'm just not as much of a believer um, in the Cardinals offense as you guys are. The Cliff and- Kingberry crunch. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, I think for me, David Johnson, my biggest concern is actually injury because, like you said, they're going to be running a lot of plays. You've got Chase Edmonds behind him. If they're running as many plays as they want to with Kyler Murray and David Johnson, I don't see them both staying healthy all year. Um. You know, David Johnson. It's he hasn't had injuries that. I mean, he broke his wrist. That's not something that affects you long term. Um, But I, I I just, you know, he was really good 2015, 2016. That was a completely different Arizona Cardinals team. That was a team with a good defense, pretty good team overall. Um, Now I don't think they have either. I don't think they have a good defense, and I'm not sure they're a good team overall. so that's where my concern comes in with David Johnson. What do you what do you think, Robbie? Well, if we think back to when David Johnson had that number one overall year, he had what sixteen touchdowns? Mm-hmm. Twenty. Twenty total, right? 20 sixteen total. rushing for receiving. Mm-hmm. Um so I I think if there is I, I think this is still a team. I mean, if I'm thinking comparing him to like Joe Mixon, that he's I'd say David Johnson's more likely to get more touchdowns kind of closer to that 20 range just because I don't see a whole lot of weapons on this offense. Um, what, and if this um, air raid offense is somewhat successful, um, he could be getting a lot of looks in the red zone. Um, but, yeah, this is – he's got a, what, top 10 floor, as we saw from last yeah. year. Um, it's s- certainly tough with David Johnson to project him to – automatically get all those touchdowns which a lot of these guys in this range it comes down to touchdowns to differentiate each other um 
But I I do still think he's a really good pick. My take here, now, the reason I have him at five is because there are a, a lot of guys below him that are far less risky, right? Like, um, while I'm saying that I think David Johnson could be the number one running back, obviously there's some key risks there. Um, a lot of what Adam's pointing out is correct, that there's a lot of unknown on this uh, offense. This is nowhere near the same team that David Johnson had the success with a couple years ago. Um, that being said, I think this is a guy that could have a thousand and a thousand. And if you give him a thousand and a thousand and, you know, 10 to 15 touchdowns, if he can get that, if he's truly the vocal point of this offense along with Kyler Murray, then I, you know, I, I just think this, this, your return on this investment, even this high, you're going to be happy with the pick. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see if I'm, if I'm Cliff Kingsbury though, you have to recognize, like, obviously you're going to, you're really banking on Kyler here, but the best skill position player you have is David Johnson. And I, I similar to the Zach Taylor conversation, I, I expect um, heavy utilization on David Johnson and for him heavily to be involved in the game plan week to week. But any guys, anything else to add there? Okay. Here's an interesting one. We're going to transition to Todd Gurley here. Uh, a lot going on. Adam's repping his Gurley jersey. Gurley, Gurley, Gurley. Gurley, Gurley. Um, Robbie, you are the lowest on him at 10. I'm in the middle at 8. Adam, you've got him at 6. So we'll start with Robbie. Um, Robbie, I'm sure a lot of this is based on the injury concerns, but why don't you uh, give us your take on that? Yeah, it's pretty much all injury concerns to me. Um, I mean, I kind of figured for him the arthritis, that's going to be something that's nagging throughout. And um, as the Rams, I kind of picture they're going to – want to use Todd Gurley as much as they can, but not push him. So I kind of figured they'd use like maybe 75% of Todd Gurley and then spell like Daryl Henderson a little bit more often in that offense to try to help him out. Um, And, you know, there's going to be times when that arthritis, it just flares up during games and he's not going to be able to play. So um, I think that's why I have him lower than the rest of you guys. But when he does play, I think – you're, even if he only gets 75%, I think he's still going to be pretty solid. I mean, you cut out 75% of his production last year, he's still a top six running back. Yeah. That's, that's pretty much where I fall. I mean, you're going to have some sort of injury risk regardless of who you take. Um, now, with Ty Gurley, it's elevated. Like that's that's not, Seems a little yeah, more risky yeah, no, with it, Gurley. It, that, that's not a question. Um, it's a fact. I, I guess you got to be comfortable with what you're buying into, though. I mean, you... You're selecting a guy that was the number one running back the last two years in fantasy football. Um, and I know there's been a lot of reports about you know him, and we saw it last year in the playoffs. Like they, they were using C.J. Anderson a lot. Um, but you can also, I think we have recency bias. There's been some good reports coming out the last couple months, weeks, about Todd Gurley. Um, Sean McVay came out yesterday, said he's good. He's going to be good to go for this year. Um and I think them reducing his production by seventy-five to 75%, I think that's probably good for Tiger Early. He was getting worked too much. Yeah. Um, and I I don't know. I, I just bet on the player here. And if and if he, if he, you know, finds a way to stay healthy, I mean, if, if, he, if he does play, let me ask you guys this. If he does play 16 games at, let's say, 75 80%, where do you guys think he finishes? Uh, probably right behind those top three of Saquon, Kamara, and Barkley. 
You don't think he's a chance? I'm at sorry, one? Saquon, Kamara, and uh, Elliott. Uh, I think he's got a shot. Um, there'd have to be. I mean, his touchdown numbers. I don't. I think on yardage, he'll have a tough time. His touchdown numbers would have to be. Mm-hmm. He'd probably need to be near twenty. I think to be number one. Uh, twenty to, you know, even higher than that. Uh, I I'm kind of of the similar opinion of Adam. I think the pendulum has gone too far on Todd Gurley. Uh, I think people are. It's obviously a concern, but I think it's reached the point of an overreaction. Yep. Um. It, it, like Adam said, if you get if you get seventy five percent of this player, like understand how dynamic and electric he's been for this team. Um. Last year during the Super Bowl, he was playing hurt. He was the fastest clock player in that Super Bowl, yep. which just shows you, you know, what he's still capable of. This is a team I think that might be seeing. At least, I think they're, they're, they've got a couple competitive windows, but this might be kind of the closing end of their first one. They might need to retool, especially on that defense after this year. Um, I could see Sean McVay making a real push to to make this another Super Bowl year, going for that first-round by uh, home field advantage to try to lock up another trip to the Super Bowl. Uh, and if that's the case, I mean, they're going to they're gonna lean on Ty Gurley. Granted, they drafted Darrell Henderson. Um they seem to like him. We'll see. I mean, at the end of the day, though, you know, you're you're going to trust a rookie to pass block for Jared Goff. Jared Goff, a quarterback that is going to need somebody back there that can help him out because he does not deal well with pressure in his face. Um, he's going to need somebody reliable on the field. Um, yeah, if you can get, I think if you get seventy to sixty-five percent snap share out of Gurley, you're going to have a top five running back. Just want to say on that point of the Super Bowl we're on, I think we all think this NFC West is going to be a pretty easy division for them to win. Yep. So I think that makes it more of a case that they're going to want to rest Gurley more throughout the beginning of the year and then start to get him going once playoffs start to come on just so they have him healthy, good to go, so they can make that Super Bowl push. That's my thoughts on that. Yeah, I'd say to the counterpoint of that, though, if that's the case, then they're going to be leaning pretty heavily on a rookie running back. Or early. Malcolm Brown. They re- Malcolm Brown. They re-signed him for a reason. Yeah. I I definitely I, – I see Malcolm Brown as tend to be the the clear Safety third valve. guy in that group. Um, I think Malcolm Brown's involvement depends on whether or not they're comfortable with Darrell Henderson early on in the year um, being a rookie. Uh, I, I see Darrell Henderson kind of taking off later in the year once he's you know gets a few more practices under a belt, a uh, few game weeks. But you know it'll be interesting to see for sure. I just think uh, you know I, I have a hard time believing that if you can get Curly at the beginning of the second round, like what we're seeing a lot of people do, um, that you're going to be upset with that at the end of the year. Yeah, and I think some of the concerns about Todd Gurley and other people like taking his work. And they will. I mean, they're not going to, you know, run them 350 touches a year. But Daryl Henderson. I mean, the reports are already that he's already pretty struggling in pass pass blocking. Yep. Um, and Malcolm Brown. I mean, he hasn't really shown to be a really consistent option behind Todd Gurley. So I mean, all's well. I mean, the plan plan's good on paper. But you know, if these two guys sub in for Todd Gurley and do nothing, um, I mean. You might just see Todd Gurley. I mean, it, it's nice to say that, okay, we're going to give, you know, Daryl Henderson a third of the touches, Daryl Henderson and Malcolm Brown, whoever. Um, but if they can't do anything with them and it, the offense, like, 
struggles significantly, they're going to have to go back to Todd Gurley, um, regardless of, you know. That's fair. And he, and, I mean, he was number one running back the last year, so. Yeah. All right, um, guys, let's move on to uh, Le'Veon Bell here. Uh, he's our consensus number nine, so um, I've got him at 10. Uh, Adam, you agree with me. You've got him at 10. Robbie, you've got him at nine, so we're all kind of in the same area here. But um, what what are your thoughts, uh, Robbie, since you're the highest on Levy and Bell for this year? I mean, I think we're about the same range, to be honest. I mean, I'm not super excited about him. I, he's got Hall of Fame numbers with the Steelers, but the question comes in, what's he going to do with this Jets team, with this new Adam Gase offense? Uh, we're, we're not entirely sure what to expect. Um, Adam Gase certainly said that he didn't like the signing of him. Um, so we, we really don't know what to expect. He certainly has the ceiling of being one of the top guys. Um, but I think the price you get at this, what, ninth overall we've got him at is kind of that uncertain uncertainty of, um, what he's going to actually do in this offense and how much work he's going to get. Um, but, I mean, I think he still could be very – he's still a good running back. He's got a year off. Um, I think he could still be productive even in a Jets offense, which is maybe not seen as the best. Yeah. Adam, what are your thoughts? I mean, yeah, Rob, I mean, I think we're all sort of in agreement on Love Bell here. I, stats speak for themselves. I mean, when he was in Pittsburgh, he was, you know, what, top three fantasy player every year drafted. Um, and even last year he didn't play. He was still taken in the first round screw those guys but um i guess i guess here there's just a lot of questions um you know him taking a year off you know reports say ballooned up to 260 um you know adam gase sort of took over as gm after they signed him and you know he didn't exactly give him a uh you know resounding like oh you know this is my signing he's he said you know this is what i had to work with because i wasn't here um, so it, it, I'd be interested to see how Adam Gase uses him. Adam Gase is always uh, a little quirky with how he uses his running backs. I, the concern here for me, I think probably for all you guys, is just the amount of question marks surrounding Bell this year. Um, and for me, I, th- I think I'd rather see it before I believe it. You know, um, with that many amount, with that amount of change. Yeah, uh, I don't want to take away from the Le'Veon Bell. Uh, in his talent, because um, especially as a route runner and his involvement in the passing game, um, truly exceptional. And then, you know, his his patience, uh, you know, the weight behind an offensive line is second to none. Um, you know, truly, truly amazing uh, what he was able to do in Pittsburgh um, to be kind of the linchpin of that of that offense. That being said. That was a very good Pittsburgh offensive line that he was working behind, and he was able yep. to sit back there for a couple seconds before committing to a hole without having to worry about somebody uh, breaking through and and you know hitting him in the backfield. I don't know that he's going to have that same luxury in the uh, New York. I wonder, you know, about his elusiveness being a year off if he'll if he'll have that explosive burst out of the gate. Um, or if it'll take a little bit to get back into the kind of the game shape. That being said, um, this I, I think this guy's going to be a workhorse for the Jets, and, and, and you know his utilization at the end of the day um, will be enough to to keep them involved. I'm not expecting the Jets to have a phenomenal offense, but 
uh, you know, he'll be heavily involved and, and they'll lean on him to the effect that I think, you know, you should get top 10 running back return out of Le'Veon Bell this year. All right, guys, anything else to add there? Okay. Bad rapper. Bad rapper, yeah. <laughs> um, coming in, uh, I want to give you guys our next three. So at uh, 10 overall, we've got James Conner. Uh, 11, we have Nick Chubb. And at 12, we have Carrion Johnson. Uh, so to start with James Conner, uh, Robbie, you've got him at 7. I've got him at 9. Adam, you've got him all the way down at 16. So I'm going to kind of let you two uh, hammer away at each other here because you guys got a very big difference in terms of what you guys are seeing here. So, Robbie, on the high end, what do you like about James Conner? I mean, James Conner, the one thing I like about him is that he is the Steelers running back. They always work with one guy. I mean, if you look last year, um, Pittsburgh was 31 in total rushing yards as a team, um, and James Conner was still a phenomenal steal if you're able to pick him up early on this season. Um, they, it, I, I don't really know much to say. I, I know you, you're losing Antonio Brown, and that's going to be a huge hit. We're not sure if that's going to be a huge factor. Um, they lost somebody on the whole line. Can't remember who it was off the top of my head right now. Maybe you guys could help me out. But um, I, I still think he's pretty solid for being that, um, top as an RB1 um, just by being the Steelers running back Tomlin loves to use one running back and if he's able to stay healthy for the season I think you're going to be pretty satisfied with him Adam uh, on the downside what are you seeing in James Conner this year I think you can't understate how much Antonio Brown meant to this team um, now, now you're asking James Conner to shoulder you know maybe one slash two with Juju um, as far as like, you know, overall impact on the offense, as far as skill position goes, I'm not sure James Conner is the player, the type of player to carry a team where, you know, he wasn't asked to do that last year. You know, yeah, Juju, like you said, they, they, they didn't rush the ball that much. They might need to now, you know, and I, I just have my concerns about this offense overall. Um, you know, it, it, I, I think people get caught up in, you know, trying to see Le'Veon Bell and James Conner and, you know, making that, you know what, the only consistency with that comparison is Antonio Brown, and now he's gone. Um, so I, I think that, I mean, I'm not a big believer in the Steelers this year. I think they're going to take a step back as a team and, and as an offense. Um, and I, I can't see James Conner being the type of running back to, you know, push the Steelers to the heights that I think – for his draft capital, he would need to, to for uh, fantasy owners to sort of cash in on him in the first round. Yeah. You know, for all these guys that we've touched on thus far, um, they are all truly special talents. Um, this is kind of like the first guy that we get to on the list where it's like, well, this is kind of more of an opportunity case than a pure talent. Um, that being said, James Conner, Definitely a good back, uh, you know, has some ability, but um, I don't, I don't see the special traits that we've seen of a lot of the guys that you know we've mentioned before here. That being said, um, you know, the reports out of Pittsburgh now is that uh, he should still get you know the lion's share of the work. Uh, there is some worry about um, you know Samuels coming in and taking a little bit of that, but I, I do still expect James Conner to be um, 
uh, you know, a, a workhorse for this team. That being said, I I kind of see him, you know, I don't I don't see much upside, and I think there's quite a bit more downside. I think I think um, out of anybody we've talked about so far, this is probably has the biggest bust potential. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Um, you know, I like we we talked about you know a safe floor. Well, the floor for James Conner is that they realize midway through the year that Samuels is more of an explosive back, and the and you know the snap share flips. And and Connor's getting thirty percent of the work, and, and Samuel's is getting seventy. Um, I thought not that, that was it's more likely. injury related. Oh no, no, you're never mind. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I thought you were talking about the end of last year. No, no, no. no, no you're no, talking no. about potentially yeah, this potentially year. Potentially this year. Gotcha. Um, so, you know, we'll we'll see where it checks out. I'm I'm in the middle of you guys on this one, but um, yeah, I, I I think, you know, in terms of risk factor, there's there's definitely some some risk here with uh, James Conner. Anything else to add there, guys? I'd say he's another candidate for big touchdown regression, but um, even still, if he goes. How many did he wind up with last year? He had 13 last year total. One yeah, thir- 13 through what, like 12 games? 13 games. 13 games. So, one, yeah. one game so I mean. Pretty good. Pretty good output. Yeah. All right. Um, next on our list, guys, we've got Nick Chubb. Um Adam and Robbie, you guys both have him at 12. I've got him at 15. Um, Adam, why don't you uh, lead off on this one? What are you thinking for Nick Chubb this year in that revitalized Cleveland offense? Um, you know, when I was doing these rankings, I think Nick Chubb was the hardest one for me to sort of place somewhere. Um, love the talent. Last year, um, you know, and I, I wouldn't say Cleveland had the best offense last year. Even when they were started getting good at the end, they, 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 they weren't dynamic. Um, and this guy ran the ball dynamic, uh, average 5.2 a carry, um, he ended up with 10 total touchdowns, two receiving, eight rushing, um, really only started nine games too. So the games he did start, he was very, very efficient. Um, what I see and, and it's, it's, it's tough because Kareem Hunt got signed by the Browns and you, you never know what kind of impact or what their plans for him are going to be what what they envision using him once he gets his eight game suspension uh lifted but before then i think you can see you can pencil in nick chubb as probably a top 10 running back given you know how how much people expect out of that offense and you know being number one you know duke johnson's going to catch the ball for him but he's going to be the number one rushing rushing uh option there and He's shown that he can handle it, and he's a good player. So I, that's where I sort of come in. I think if you take out the Kareem Hunt factor, I think he'd wind up for me. Um, I think I'd place him higher than uh, than James Conner in terms of my ranking. But there's so much unknown there. Um, you know what? That was really a confusing move by the Browns when they brought him in because all indications were that you know Nick Chubb could be you know, this lead guy that you could work on. And then, you know, you've got Duke Johnson to handle kind of that third down role. And it was very defined. And then they added uh, Kareem Hunt into this mix, um, which which really complicates things. Now what, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, Kareem Hunt's out till week nine, correct? Ten with ten. the bye. Yep. Week ten with the bye. Okay. So granted, that's a lot of time for Nick Chubb to just flat out win the backfield. Uh, like if Nick Chubb is dominating um, – He's not going to give it up week ten. Uh, I I think that's pretty safe to say. But if if Nick Chubb is coming out and it's like you know low four yard per carry and they're 
they're kind of a little bit underachieving, then Kareem Hunt's going to look kind of intriguing to the Browns yeah. uh, in, in Week 10. So, you know, that's kind of my concern um, is that, you know, you just don't know what you're going to get in that final playoff push. Yeah, um, that's the most important time of the year. Yeah, yeah. I think this is a guy that I think he'll be traded a lot mid-year. I think people are going to try to yeah. capitalize yeah, on early returns with him. Um, but, yeah, Robbie, what, what's your take? I'm not that concerned about Kareem Hunt, to be honest. Um, mostly because, yes, he's not going to be in until Week 10. And who's to say he's going to have the role you kind of expect or have him, like, in Kansas City? Um, it's it's tough to just sneak your way into the backfield like that. And I don't think it hurts Chubb in the fact that Chubb's not really that much pass catching back. Right. Chubb's just no. – he, he's that downhill runner kind of guy. And if you're looking at the – Browns to have a winning season like they're everybody's thinking they will um I think he's going to be a good focal point of that offense um and you got weapons on the outside like Odell coming in you got Jarvis still there uh Njoku as a tight end you know I think he could still have a solid year um overall and I'm not concerned about Kareem Hunt coming in and, and taking over his job later on in the season yeah, so, you know, this is a guy that uh, I think early on, um, you know, his usage, everybody will be happy with. I think he's got a very safe floor early on. Um, injury concerns, you know, obviously he had the, a little bit of trouble in college, but uh, outside of that, I mean, he appears to be, uh, you know, all signs go. Um, you know, it's it's really just there's some unknown at the end of the year when the games matter most for, for fantasy players. and People. You know, People forget, too, Nick Chubb was an otherworldly talent when he first showed up before, yeah, before the knee injury. Um, and last year, you sort of saw him regain some of that explosiveness. Yeah. That, uh, it takes some time for people to recover. Yeah. Back into yeah, form. yeah, absolutely. And, you know, he was number one running back prospect in all of college football. Um, great talent. And, but I like, like you said, a lot of people are going to be hesitant because of Kareem Hunt and what could happen in your fantasy playoffs which is the most important time of the year and you want your number one running back to be there i think this is a guy though that i could see another guy like top top five potential absolutely um and i don't think it'd be like if he comes out of the gate on fire like i said like i don't i don't see him relinquishing workload to kareem hunt because they're gonna keep riding the hot hand like you know he'll, he'll solidify himself um you know, we'll we'll see, but I mean, if if everything goes right for Kareem or for um, uh, Nick Chubb, you're 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 looking at a guy with a lot of upside, and in the floor is extremely safe early on, and that gives you ten weeks to kind of even if even if he's just kind of average, you know, you're gonna be able to get by with him for the first ten weeks of the year, mm-hmm. and then you can kind of figure out something mid year to kind of bridge that gap once Hunt comes back. So you buy yourself a little time. I mean, him. if if you don't draft Hunt, if you draft Chubb and don't draft Hunt, which I don't think you should, you could easily, you get the Hunt owner, they spend a lot of capital on him. Now they're thinking, oh, I need to get some wins. So you get him for the cheap later on if you're really worried about Hunt later on in the year. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys, anything else to add there? Okay, so uh, moving on to our number uh, 12 consensus, we've got on Johnson, guys. Um Coming in here, we've we kind of got a wide range here. I'm the lowest at 17. Adam, you're the highest at nine. Robbie, you come in a little bit closer to me at 15. So, Adam, tell us why you're so high on Carryon Johnson this year. Um, I 
I, it's just talent based. Uh, you saw it last year. You know, five point four yards a carry for a team that you know wasn't wasn't dynamic on offense. You saw it when he ran the ball. Like he has as much talent as you know some of the guys a lot higher on this list. Um, you only had one hundred eighteen rushes last year, thirty two receptions. You know, not not good production there. He actually. Legarrette Blunt led the team in rushes last year, which I don't, I don't really understand that. Uh, this year he's going to be the guy. Um, you might see, you know, Theo Riddick get some pass catching, which I mean, whatever, it's fine. Carryon Johnson, he great, great talent, and he only had four touchdowns last year. I could see they sort of built up the offensive line. I, I can see him being one of the league leaders in rushing attempts this year. He's got the body for it. I think, I mean, he saw it at Auburn. He he was a workhorse. I think he transitions from, you know, rookie, you know, uh, Mitch, Pat, uh, Pat, Pat Patricia, Matt Patricia, um, Pat, you know. Matt, Matt Patricia. <laughs> that's what I was trying to say. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think, you know, he was giving them the old, oh, we're gonna, you're a rookie, we're not going to give you the, the lion's share this year, I think he might unleash full carry on, and and he's got the talent to be you know top five. You know, for I I agree with a lot of what you say, but there's a couple things that I think are concerning. This is a Detroit team that has never been a run heavy team um, in the Matt Staff Matt Stafford era, and even before that. Granted, coaching change last year, a uh, lot of movement. Uh, they tried to change things up on the offensive side of the ball as well. Um, this is a guy that's very limited ability in the passing game. Uh, oh, I disagree with you. There. Theo Riddick is going to be on the field every third down. Like he's, I, I see a two down player here. Um, they're not going to take Theo Riddick out of that role. I, I think they, I think they should. I, and I think, I think they will. Starting to phase yeah. him out, to be honest. I think they I mean, should. I think they will. I mean, Theo Riddick has been a pretty good pass rusher for them or pass catcher for them for the last couple of years but i think he's he's getting up there in edge and they're starting to phase him out you see carry on he can't he can't do the pass catching i think he's a great pass catcher yes, actually great pass catcher um and i think he's going to see a lot more targets than he did last year so you guys actually are seeing something of a three down workhorse here yes yeah i mean theoretic will be involved like don't get me wrong he'll he'll, he'll get his but I'm, I'm i'm very confident in saying he'll get a carry on johnson will get at least you know, 70, 75 targets, which is pr- pretty much double what he had last year. And what about game script? Because this is a Lions team that figures probably to be in some negative game script when you're looking at running uh, running backs. I think I think that's where his pass-catching ability will actually lend him a hand here because, I mean, think about it. Some of the, some of the best running backs last year in terms of fantasy were on losing offenses. You look at Kerry or... Um, Saquon Barkley, oh, who else we got? No, Melvin. All right, uh, maybe maybe, yeah, <laughs> maybe that, that was a hot. Thing. I wouldn't use Saquon Barkley no. as the example. Yeah, I mean, no. Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey a... wasn't on a dynamic offense. Um, no, I, I just I just feel like he can't be, he can't be game scripted out because of his pass catching ability and his ability to actually you know pass block do everything you need a running back to do and he can do it in all three downs. Okay. Yeah, I just you know he for, did it. He did it Auburn too. Yeah. It's not like we haven't had a track record of this. For me, I just see a little bit more involvement for Theo Riddick and the passing downs, and um, you know the game script concerns me. I I do like the talent. I think he's a it's a good rusher. Um, but again, this is this is also 
for as high as you're projecting them, this would have to be a large departure from anything we've really seen from the Lions in the last decade. Um, Agreed. No, I, I completely agree. So, I mean, if if you're if you're picking that, then then you're you're really uh, predicting a, a really changing of the guard there. Um, you know, which is which is interesting. I'm, I'm not saying it won't happen. Um, I just think you know it's a risk there. I I I see somebody that's I see more of a high end RB two here than. Uh, you know, the low-end RB1 that you're looking at. But, um, you know, interesting. Interesting, to say the least. Uh, guys, anything else to add with carry-on? No? Okay. Uh, we'll kind of move on to our last tier here, or our last group of three. Um, coming in at 13, we've got Damian Williams, uh, followed by Josh Jacobs at 15, or I'm sorry, at 14, and then Dalvin Cook uh, coming in at uh, 15. So, uh, guys, let's start it off with Damian Williams here. Uh, Adam, you by far have him the lowest at 21. Robbie and I have him at 11. Um, Adam, why don't you start off for why you're concerned about uh, Damian Williams? I mean, you know, when you're drafting running backs, I'm very risk-averse, and I'm not risk-averse when it comes to injury. It's more talent-wise. Um, you know, I, 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 I don't think anybody thinks that, Damian Williams is one of the test, 10 best running backs in the NFL. I, I mean, I think you can get consensus there. Um, he's 27 years old, has never rushed for more than 206 or 260 yards in a, in a year. And, and you're asking him to be a top 15, top 12 running back? I, I, I'm i the kind of guy that likes to see it before, before I believe it. And I think a lot of people are believing in trends of Andy Reid's running backs being great and those are consistent but who the hell knows if it's going to be Carlos Hyde or Damian Williams sure the the camp hasn't opened yet they're going to say that Damian Williams is the starting running back as they should he was really good in the playoffs for him last year uh but when it comes down to it I don't know if he has the talent to one stay healthy for an entire year as the lead back two and two hold off Carlos Hyde who I believe is a more talented running back that's where I disagree with you there, that last statement. I don't think Carlos Hyde is going to come anywhere close to taking the job unless injury happens to Damian Williams because Carlos Hyde, he's he's not a good pass catcher. They tried using him as one back in San Francisco, and they didn't want him. They sent him off to Cleveland. Now, Carlos Hyde, in those first four games, he had five touchdowns. All five of those touchdowns were from a yard out. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't like he was busting out these big runs. He was just doing what he did, and when – Chubb took over. Chubb had something like 28 yards more per game than Carlos Hyde. And that's not what Andy Reid does inside the five. Andy Reid does not line not, up in the eye. And, and Andy Reid needs that a running back who could pass catch too. That that's his style. Um, I mean, I wouldn't say Spencer Ware was necessarily a great talent, but he could do what Andy Reid wants. Kendrick West again, same thing. Um, so I I do believe in the Chief system more than. Damian Williams' lack of talent yeah. here. Are, are you guys worried at all about the rushing aspect? Because, I mean, I I agree with you that Carlos Hyde is not the pass catcher than Damian Williams is, but Carlos Hyde is a better rusher of the football than Damian Williams. I see Damian Williams probably winding up at like 3.8 yards per carry this year, to be honest with you. Um, but, you know, he'll catch the ball in space a lot. Um, and, you know, he should have a good amount of touchdown opportunity with how good that offense is. Like 
I'm not. This is this is really just pure opportunity. Um, this is a guy I I would not feel comfortable having him be my RB one in a draft. Um, I really like Damian Williams as a guy. Like if you go first round running back, maybe you're late first round and you go like a Lev Bell, and then you turn it back around and you go uh, Damian Williams in the second on the quick turn, like. But it would scare me to have Damian Williams in the first uh, as my first running back off the board. That being said, though, you know the opportunity should be there. Uh, you should have plenty of opportunities to score. You know the thing is, like, if you have a guy that's gonna score, you know, ten, twelve to fourteen touchdowns, um, that guy's gonna be good for you week in, week out because you know the the touchdown aspect of it is is just worth it. I understand what you're saying in terms of the actual talent on the field and his ability to be elusive and even and even um, take on a real workload. Um, I don't expect Andy Reid to be giving him 25 carries a game. I don't think that's realistic. I envision something more like 16 to 17 carries a game and then, you know, 5 to 7 to 8 catches a game. I mean, he's had fit in his career high is 50 rushes in a year. Yeah, well, I've only got him for like 160 rushes yeah. this year. Yeah, and he's just being in that high-powered offense. I think he's going to benefit. Are you guys worried about at all? And we'll finish up here. Um, just replacement level, you know, like how many Damian Williams are there in the league that you can plug into that role? I mean, opportunity is great, but you know, let's say week three comes along and he's been struggling. They trade a sixth-round pick for a running back on a stacked depth chart that yeah. is just as good. And then what? Ha- what happens? T.J. Yeldon, yeah. Yeldon comes over. Yeah. yeah. LaShawn McCoy, I mean, yeah. I, I just, I'm so concerned about just the replacement level aspect of Damian Williams that I, I, me personally, I would not take him high at all. Um, yeah, that's a fair concern. I mean, for me, at least, I, I just see that they recently paid him a good extension, so they've at least got confidence in him yeah. for the meantime. Mm-hmm. That's That guy made a lot of money for a few good games at the end of the year. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and he looked good. Yeah, that's... That's kind of what's fresh in people's minds too. Is he was that, also fresh. Yeah, he was very fresh. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, that being said, I mean, he has been in NFL programs for the last five, six years. Um, you know, so he's gone through the season, not necessarily the workload, but that season-long uh, practice schedule, things like that. It'll be interesting to see, though. Um, yeah, there's a lot of risk here. There's a lot of risk here, a lot but of risk. the reward I think is pretty significant. It, like, if if he is actually what he showed in the playoff games last year and that's that's going to be that's going to be top 7 back um and it's not going to be difficult for him to do that cuz the offense is just good enough um you know it, it'll be interesting to see though anything else to add there guys all right uh let's go on to our uh, number 14 uh overall consensus we got Josh Jacobs um Again, uh, Adam, you're you're different from Robbie and I here a pretty good amount. Uh, Adam, you got him at 11, and uh, I've got him at 18 on the opposite end. Robbie, you're close to me at 17. So, Adam, why don't you lead us off here for why you're high on Josh Jacobs? Uh, I mean, I I'm just a believer in a player and a good fit for the system. Uh, Josh Jacobs is, you know, your typical even though he didn't get the workload, um, your typical three down. Three down back, pass catching, pass blocking, rushing. He excels in all three. Um, my main, my only really concern with him is uh, durability. Um, it bothers me a little bit that Nick Saban didn't unleash him and give him number one 
um, you know, number one running back duties. Um, but having said that, he was as efficient as anybody with those opportunities, and you could see the skill uh, watching film with him in Alabama. Um, I, I think his fitness offense is good. Um, I think, you know, John Gruden likes to rely heavily on RB1s, wide receiver runs, he, you know, sort of force targets and, you know, gives guys touches, uh, you know, at a regular pace. And I think that Josh Jacobs, um, you pair, you know, that talent with the opportunity he's going to have in Oakland. You know, you don't really have too much behind him besides Isaiah Crowell. Um, I, I, I just... I, I see I see breakout potential with him as far as you know entering into that top top twelve running back um, just based on you know his talent alone and behind a pretty good offense line in Oakland I think that's a little bit underrated. So I I'm going to strongly disagree with you here. I think there are a lot of concerns for Josh Jacobs. Um, certainly has the talent to break out here, but this is going to be a two down back. Um, Jalen Richard has been one of the most efficient pass catchers in the league. Uh, and I expect that to fully continue this year for the Raiders. They really like him in that role. Um, you've also got a problem with game script here. The Raiders, that defense is still awful. Granted, that offense should be much improved, but you know if they're not clicking for any uh, reason early on in a game, they're going to find themselves down two touchdowns real early, and Josh Jacobs is going to be factored out. And I don't. I to to have that high of a draft capital on on a guy like that is is risky for me. Um, yeah, there's there's breakout potential there, but you know, I like to, I, I I don't see the variables lining up here that say Josh Jacobs is is got that, like really I don't I don't really see the RB one finish potential here. I I just I don't think the defense is good enough for to, for game script to get, uh, stay consistent, and I don't see enough pass catching chops, um, you know, to to add that P or that half point PPR value, um. You know, running backs tend to hit that rookie wall too. This is a guy that didn't have a big workload at Alabama. I don't know. I don't know that he can take on that kind of a workload, even running the ball on just two downs, to um, to return that RB one uh, capital. But Robbie, what's your take? I'm kind of with you there. Um, I mean, they still got Jalen Rashard too, who's who's a really good pass catcher. And I do think Josh Jacobs is, I mean, I'm looking maybe around 60 targets, but um, I think it, that aspect of his game is a little capped because of Richard and how, how he's a good receiving back. Um, I do kind of see him. He's got the chance, Josh Jacobs, to eclipse uh, 1,000 yards on this season. Um, but, yeah, it does come down. There is a question mark of durability with him. Yeah, I mean, I agree with the durability. Um concern i i do not agree with the pass catching um i mean essentially they traded you know amari cooper for josh jacobs they're not going to keep him off the field for jalen richard um john gruden's a smart guy i i I trust that you know i trust in john gruden that he reckon like i do i i saw the talent in josh jacobs at alabama i think they're going to put the most talented person out there and he excelled in pass catching and i think he will He'll be a three-down back with the Raiders, barring injury. But like having said that, though, I, th- I think the injury concern is high for Josh Jacobs compared to some of the other guys in this range. Yep. All right. Guys, anything else to add there? All right. Uh, last but not least here, or actually least, <laughs> it comes to our rankings. Uh, we've got uh, Delvin Cook. Um, 
Adam, you are just you are just consistently differing from <laughs> Robbie and I here. Um, Robbie and I have Delvin Cook both at thirteen. Adam, you've got him all the way down at twenty four. Um, Sell me on Delvin Cook. Okay, come on, guys. So Delvin Cook, uh, not much behind him, right? You've got Alexander Madison. Uh, what rock? What's the last rock? Who? Well, yeah, it doesn't matter. That's <laughs> the rock. Like, yeah. The rock. <laughs> <laughs> Some guy with the first name Rock is the other guy. He's like the third back there. It doesn't matter. Um, Delvin Cook, this is another team that is uh, – Mike Zimmer's going to be looking at probably being on the hot seat if they have another bad year. And he's going to lean heavily on that defense and running the ball in order to kind of stay as a competitive team in a division that I think has kind of passed up the Vikings. Um, Dalvin Cook, we've seen that he can catch the ball. Um, the concern is injury related, and we already talked about this with um, you know, our our podcast on the NFC North. But they plan to be a run heavy team, um, and and then work the pass off of that and be play action off of that. Um, you're not going to see him come off the field. And, uh, you know, I think he's explosive enough to allow for some big plays here and there. You know, the offensive line is not great, and that's a concern, but um, I think there's enough volume there to be a pretty safe RB2 and somebody you can rely on in that uh, capacity. I am not saying this guy has RB1 upside because I really think it's very limited there. I don't think there's going to be a lot of room for him to run. But I think week in, week out, you're going to be able to safely rely on him to get enough touches to give you a solid RB2 performance. Robbie, what's your take on that? I mean, once they had the OC change, I think that was the biggest part. They went back to just uh, run the football. And I I know it's a small sample of three games, but that pace was having him at 245 attempts and 1,300 rushing yards, which included a game against the Bears, which the Bears just shut him down. Um, so I think he is a pretty good spot where he's at just because, you know, um, is it, he going to actually put that much up? He, he's got the upside of putting up a good amount of yards. Um, but there is also the question mark we have on the Vikings as well and his injury concerns. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, uh, the reason why I have him at 24 is two things, offensive line concerns. I mean, they, they're what bottom five offensive line pretty much like I think we can all agree that they were just trash last year that they didn't do a whole lot to improve it and I think you know not bringing in somebody behind him like Latavius Murray like I don't know what they're doing to be honest the Delvin Cook the last three years going back to Florida State he has been injured I mean at least a decent majority of the year um I don't see why what he's proven to the Vikings this far, I mean, other than his on-the-field production that he can handle workload running back, I mean, he hasn't. I mean, his track record says that he should not have that workload, yet the Vikings are, you know, taking away backups from him and other reliable options. I could see the bus factor with Dalvin Cook being just tremendously high. Um, there is a lot of risk. With yeah, him. I, I, I mean, when he, when he does play, he's a good running back. He, he's elusive. He's very... He's got great jump cuts, um, good pass catcher, sort of dynamic dynamic in the open field. But, I mean, I, I don't think they're using him right. They're not doing him a justice by – I don't think he's more of a – he's more of a 15-touch type player in the NFL. And I don't 
my concern is that they think he's something else and they're going to give him more touches and he will either get injured or I just will not be as effective as he would be with limited touches. So that's, that's where I'm coming from with Dalvin Cook. Okay. You guys, anything to add there? No. All right. Uh, guys, um, yeah, that's going to do it for our first 15 of the rankings here. Um, it was a long show. Uh, we're oh, yeah. at 90 minutes here. So, a lot of content. Uh, yeah, yeah, a lot of content for you. 15 RBs, is, it's important. Yeah, it's important. So we wanted to make sure, uh, you know, we didn't want to skip you guys on any analysis here. But, um, yeah, that's going to do it for our show today. Uh, the 16 through 30 RBs are coming up next, so we'll get that to you guys shortly. Uh, but until then, uh, thanks for tuning in, and, uh, yeah, we will uh, check with you guys next time. Oh, you guys want on the clock? Let's okay. do it. Let's was, do it. Let's do it. Come on. Here. Okay. Fine. 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 On the clock. Um, we've got. We've been under kind of a heat wave here, guys. So I want to know. You know, especially in Chicago, we're subject to both the heat wave of 100 degrees, which we're experiencing right now, and the polar vortex of the minus 32 day that we had. So, um, what are your guys' thoughts on that? Would you rather have the extreme heat or the extreme cold? Give me the extreme heat. I mean, the extreme cold, you could burst some pipes. It could end up not being good. Maybe your heat doesn't work, and that's just that absolutely awful. But, I mean, if your fan goes down, it's it's bearable. You'll just sweat it out a little bit. I'm on the cold side. You can always put on more layers. You know, you can come out there looking like those. I, I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, the cold sucks, but, you know, there's nothing worse than, like, not being able to cool yourself down. You know, sitting there and just like, I mean, you, you just can't do it. It's overheating. You know, you can always put on more layers to warm up. It's an interesting argument because, like, on one aspect, like, at least you can sleep, like, in the extreme yeah. cold. Uh, that's probably the worst is, like, when you can't sleep uh, because it's just too damn hot. Um, you know, you can always just bundle up more and more uh, to fall asleep in the cold. I think that's why I got to go uh, extreme cold here, but. Alright guys, well that's going to wrap it up for uh, this episode. Uh, thanks for tuning in again. We'll be back to you soon again with the uh, RB 16 through 30, but until then uh, thanks for tuning in for Robbie, for Adam. Uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. Later. Bye.